You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com All right, friends, welcome back to the Corbett Report radio program here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you at 9 p.m. Central on uh, stateside, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, or if you happen to be in in uh, Japan right now, where I am, it is currently 11 in the morning. And if you're watching this via video, you will also see a bright and well-lit guest on the other side of the dateline. Today we're going to be talking to Vinny Eastwood, and hopefully for those of you out there, uh, you will be familiar with Vinny and his work. You, if not, I suggest you check it out at thevinnyeastwoodshow.com, and it's spelt pretty much like it sounds, V-I-N-N-Y, Eastwood Show, thevinnyeastwoodshow.com. And, uh, well, Vinny has uh, quite a following online and quite a, quite an eclectic mix of guests, and also a very interesting style himself. He likes to put the uh, lighter side of genocide on display, as he says, and in the About section of the com, it says, In a world full of madness and chaos, you've got to keep your sense of humor or you'll go friggin' nuts. Amen to that. It is very true, and humor is something we have in very short supply on these very serious uh, episodes of Corbett Report Radio, so it's always welcome to have a little bit of the lighter side. So, Vinny Eastwood, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much, James, and I appreciate the comment about being uh, brightly lit. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I like to be uh, known as brighter than the sun, just not that hot. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm dark as uh, as black as night, so I, I don't know what to do here with my little uh, camera, my light that I use for my my own recording. But Vinny, it is uh, great to have you on the program. For those of you the, uh, people out there who don't know, you're based in New Zealand, but you're heard around the world. Uh, tell people a little, little bit about what it is that you do and uh, where it is that you're uh, coming from tonight, today, this afternoon, wherever um... you are. <laughs> Well, it depends if we wanted to get in a discussion on it or we want to spend the whole show on uh, on just what I've done so far. Uh, my my life just recently in the last five years reminded me of my father's funeral. Uh, my father was a very um, uh, uh, creative man. He did like over four. He created over four hundred different types of uh, uh, tires uh, for the forklift industry. He became the darling of the Chinese uh, uh, importers and things like that in the eighties, um, and, and died a multimillionaire. And the thing that my father said about him is that he had such a long list of achievements that if we were here to try and actually list them, uh, we'd be here to the wee small hours. And the last five years have kind of, uh, if again, uh, embodied that same uh, principle. Uh, I used to be really uh, a fan of the system. Now, I loved it. Uh, I wanted to be uh, in the thick of it. I wanted to be a uh, filmmaker and and be up there in Hollywood and, and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, I went to university, and university didn't resonate with me. It was just boring. I was wondering, when am I actually going to start doing the filmmaking? When am I going to learn something? When am I going to do something? And I never did. And uh, then I got arrested because uh, when I was in Dunedin uh, as a student, just absolutely broke as and started selling uh, a bit of weed, as a lot of students do. Uh, and foolishly, uh, I'd sell it to anybody who came up to my door. One of them was an, was an informant. Um, and so what, I noticed something very, very different um, to, to what most people would see as, as an experience with the police or, or, or uh, commonplace, depending on your level of experience. Uh, they would lie about everything. 
and uh, they would be brutal and um, make fun of you and stuff like that at, at the time where your entire world was crashing down on you and uh, the expenses uh, come into it, all of a sudden all your friends disappear um, and you, your entire world gets shaken upside down. And I had a panic attack for the first time in my life uh, when I was in the holding cells. And I just kind of pled to make me a stone so that I couldn't feel any of it. And I think we're uh, coming, coming to break now. We uh, are. But the upside of it is we'll, <laughs> we'll continue with that after that. Absolutely. Just hold it right there. We'll continue with this story, and we'll see if he did turn into a stone after all. Once again, you're tuned into Corbett Report Radio. We'll take a short break. We'll be back right after these messages. If we take the lead to choose the bad to good. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Welcome back. And I certainly hope that for those of you out there who don't normally watch the video of this uh, radio broadcast that you will today because Vinny Eastwood is a character and I hope you'll uh, you'll check him out. So, uh, so Vinny, just before the break there, we were talking about your conversion experience, your being struck off your horse on the road to Damascus, as it were, sitting there in that holding cell for being a naughty boy and selling illegal substances to an informant when you were a university student. And uh, tell us what happened from that point. Um, well, I kind of went into this deep meditation state, and I've never been, I've never meditated before in my life before that point. Um, just kind of blankly stared and blink, blink for a couple of hours. It was, it was basically it was the uh, defining moment of trauma in my life. Basically, I've I've never before or since um, suffered anything like uh, being arrested, and um, I had that um, such uh, it had such an effect on me uh, that nothing was the same, and and, and uh, something in me broke uh, to a degree, and. It occurred to me that everything was very, very wrong, very wrong, um, and I'd been the reason why I was still selling cannabis and, th- and things like that. So I'd also been uh, getting involved with uh, some of the legalized cannabis movement uh, down down there, um, and listening to Bill Hicks, and also I think the first documentary my flatmate uh, showed me was The Truth and Lies of 9/11 by uh, Mike Rupert. So these three um, influences, four influences, sorry, culminated, and um, I'd been hearing about all this bad stuff that the government did, and it did, and uh, uh, what was it, Fahrenheit 9/11 um, had come out that year by Michael Moore, uh, and so I was starting to get into it, um, but this kind of surcharged me. Uh, I had to do community service, went back to university, got a job as a salesperson, and I got really well there. Um, I was the top salesman in the company for uh, six months solid on the boards every single night. Tops, way better, way more um, sales than anybody else. I was making a lot of money, um, and I was uh, living a very extravagant lifestyle, um, uh, that, that kind of thing. And I got uh, bored with it, essentially. Whenever I become the best at something, it, it loses its challenge for me, and I want to move on and do something, do something more, something different. And uh, so they promoted me to be a business account manager. Now, unbeknownst to me, a business account manager is exactly the same as telesales. They just give it a different name and a different title and just say that, oh, you're in the business section now. Yeah, it makes a difference. It's like, no, you're still talking to people. You're still making phone calls all the time, which I didn't want to do. I got tired of it. And so I spent a lot of my time actually uh, walking around the company and talking to people in different departments and that, that sort of thing um, and finding out more about the company than uh, most of the employees knew. 
Um, and I saw so many problems with it. I like to solve problems, and I wrote a seven-page essay about what was wrong with the company. Called a meeting, and uh, sure enough, after that, after everybody agreed with all the problems in the company and, and promised to work on it, um, I was promptly fired a, a, about a week later um, and made to sign a piece of paper to never tell anybody what company I was working for. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, I took the money. But but another two jobs after that, exact same thing. I became top, and uh, as soon as I uh, got bored. Uh, um, uh, I, I started uh, help, trying to help the company, and they keep firing me. And the last one was so traumatic. I was, I was getting depressed because at the time I was starting to listen to a lot of Patriot Talk Radio uh, and, and get really into hardcore, into the conspiracy side of things. And uh, I quit, and I couldn't go to another job interview. I couldn't do anything uh, ever again. Uh, it was as if um, I developed a, a phobia of being employed. I call it being employophobic. Because <laughs> it was the it was the principle of never ever ever wanting to work for anybody ever again. I I, I kind of resolved to only work with people, um, people who would respect me and, and uh, share my views, things like that. I noticed at the time, uh, you know how Alex Jones is like a, a, a very large figure in American talk radio, and he's put out all these documentaries, that kind of thing. I was listening to a lot of Alex Jones, watching all his documentaries. And I uh, thought to myself, hey, there is nothing equivalent. Like, not even nothing equivalent, but nothing in New Zealand, period. Anything like that. So I became that person. I went out to, um, I took my $11,900 Westfield shopping voucher, uh, uh, mall voucher, you know, kind of uh, bonus that I got as my, from my last job. And I bought myself this Mac computer and a, and a little handy cam. Sure enough, I started going to protest. Everybody um, who was holding a microphone or a megaphone or speaking or something like that, you'd see them in the news and you'd recognize their faces, but they'd only be have one sentence or something and you wouldn't know what the heck they were talking about and they'd appear crazy. So you go up and you start talking to these people at length. My goodness, they start revealing lots and lots of information, rolling it all out, evidence, documents. This is something I'd never experienced. And I was just, you know... A, a salesman um, with no shame going out there, uh, att- uh, you know, pretending to be a media person, basically. <laughs> um, but isn't it funny if you go out pretending to be something, if you actually start doing it, you truly do become what you're pretending to be. Yeah. Um, and so now people call me a journalist, and I'm, and I'm not. I've never had any, any training or whatever. I'm, I, can't, I got educated at the university in, in Germany called uh, Gethenschiedung. Um <laughs> And the whole idea is to just give coverage to people who you think deserve it, people who otherwise uh, wouldn't get it. And well, I, I have news for you, Vinny. Uh, journalism isn't a credential; it's something you do. And if you're doing it, then you are a journalist. And I've had people call me a reporter before, and I, I, I bristle with the term. No, I, I'm not, but I guess I am. I mean, now that I've been doing this, I do it full time. I guess that's what I am. I have no training in it. Never thought I'd get into it, but uh, but it's funny how things work out like that sometimes. Well, well it is, and and um, it's funny you should say that because I was looking at a little um, uh, post that somebody did on Facebook the other day. It says, like, the other uh, six principles of journalism. 
uh, or such and such, you know, listening to everybody, uh, telling the truth as you see fit, not reporting things until until they're confirmed, uh, attempting to uncover the truth and uh, reporting the issues that are actually of consequence so that you can, um, uh, uh, what was it, uh, give people accurate information by which they can make important decisions in their lives and their elections and things. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, I've been doing that the whole time. And not a single one of the journalists that I've ever seen in New Zealand doing their quote-unquote journalism job with all their degrees and everything like that has done a single one of those effing things. It's, uh, you qualif- it's pretty much the what? same around the world, isn't it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's, um, you know, the fractal universe? Uh, I, I talk about the, uh, the topsy-turvy universe, how uh, everything's upside down if you look closer at it. Um, We're through the looking glass here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's... Uh, it's a world that, that is quite interesting to me because I used to have um, a solid grip on reality. Now now I think I'm, I'm starting to uh, lose that grip to a degree. Uh, and I think the only thing that holds it together is the fact that I can laugh about it. You know, you hear about uh, how you're going to die on a daily basis. And, and the funny thing about it is the only time, um, the only thing that all of those um, things that are going to kill me have in common is that I'm alive when I hear about them kind of, kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny like that because I always wondered, uh, how exactly you could change the world, uh, as a single individual. And I figured it out. Amplification. If you amplify your voice through a megaphone, you're not one person saying that to a crowd. You're a hundred people's voices saying it to a crowd. If you amplify your voice via microphones and uh, broadcast it over the internet, or if you amplify yourself via video, etc., these things allow you to become more than a man, uh, to be more than one thing that is said at a protest to a few people, and then the, and then they cruise off. If you have a look at my YouTube channel, Mister News Guerrilla Media. Like, hello, I'm Mr. News kind of thing. Um, you will find uh, close to a thousand videos of public meetings, uh, raw footage of protests uh, over an hour and so- something like that. I got to the point where I couldn't be bothered editing the protest videos anymore. So instead of just leaving them on my hard drive like most activists do, just upload the whole thing. Um, and it's all creative comments, so anybody can now download any of these footage that I've taken of all of these different eclectic protests from all over the country. Um, and use them in their own documentaries. This is how you um, make somebody more effective than they are on their own. All of these people that are, that are coming to these protests, nobody would ever hear about them if it was not for me. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm like the man or, or I should be uh, uh, bowed down to or anything like that. It's that I've taken my, my sense of responsibility very, very seriously. There was no media here in New Zealand that told the truth, so I took responsibility and made it happen. It may have not been my responsibility in the first place, but it is now. Well, I think you're you're so right that this is about a, a collaborative effort, and that's really what this is about. We're we're here recording things for posterity and putting it online, and other people will come along and take bits and pieces of what we do and mix it together in different ways to present it to different people. And it's through that effort that we're going to have any effect, assuming we are going to have any effect. And I think you're quite right. It's about amplification and coming together, and it's not about any one person um, putting forward their views because they're right about everything. I think it's only when we start to have that societal conversation that the internet can afford so uh so absolutely i think you're right about that so what kind of response have you had so far in new zealand in particular 
Well, let me put it like this. So this T-shirt that I'm wearing, uh, it says, I heart to expose scumbaggery. Right. <laughs> it's a nice, uh, nice it's, T-shirt. <laughs> um, you know, and paid for with donations. The, um, the uh, headphones and the microphone that you can see on camera paid for uh, uh, by uh, the listeners. The uh, the curtains you see behind me are in a new studio that, again, uh, paid for by listeners. I've been living on the bones of my ass, but and yet everything winds up coming to me exactly when I need it. That's what ha- the effect I've had. And that's, that's the principle I think more people should be taking to heart about what one man can do uh, when he does put himself out there in that collaborative effort. On that note, we're going to have to take another break. We'll be right back. Droid poised at the edge of the precipice Sanity is gradually becoming my nemesis like Alright friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio I'm your host James Corbett, CorbettReport.com Tonight we're talking to Vinny Eastwood of The Vinny Eastwood Show Conveniently located at TheVinnyEastwoodShow.com Not so hard to remember And tonight we're talking about, well, a, a lot of different things Including the alternative media and Vinny's valiant efforts To spread the truth there in New Zealand And uh, it's one of those things that we're doing here on the broadcast Trying to introduce listeners to other parts of the world. We've talked to people from Malaysia, and we're talking to someone from Chile later this week. We're trying to go around the world to get as many different perspectives on this new world order as possible, because it is a new world order, and it does encompass all the different parts of the globe. So it's good to get the different perspectives on and see how other people are experiencing this tyranny that's happening there stateside, for most of you listening to my voice, and for other people all around the world. So, uh, Vinny, let's, let's start talking a little bit about the situation in New Zealand and what things look like from your perspective there okay um the the fractal at universe id okay so you you look at america and you see the patriot act being installed we've got a patriot act it's called the search and surveillance bill so it's going to be able to break into people's homes surveil them for three days with no warrants no 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 nothing okay uh total police state You've had uh, terrorism raids for people that are abs- uh, that have done absolutely nothing and people demonized as being terrorists uh, simply because they're trying to uh, uh, maintain their liberty and uh, learn how to protect themselves. We've had uh, things like that called uh, Operation 8 in, in here in New Zealand. You've got fluoride, we've got fluoride. You've got aspartame, we've got aspartame. You've got Doritos with MSG, we've got Doritos with MSG. It's like that scene from Pulp Fiction when he's telling him about Europe and he says, you know, they got the same stuff over there, but it's just a little different. Um, so some of the um, things that are specific to New Zealand um, <clears throat> at the moment, we've got the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership that's uh, uh, going to encompass as well Japan, where you're living uh, now. And in fact, the Prime Minister, John Key, was over there uh, just recently in order to uh, get the Japanese uh, Prime Minister online. Uh, with that as well and it'll do a similar job to us as NAFTA and DGAT uh, which was pimped by Al Gore uh, in the 90s uh, did to the United States manufacturing essentially it'll um, bypass our sovereignty and allow corporations to sue the government for protecting its people, more or less if you're a company and you're operating under the international um, agreements you can come in and you can uh, toxify, poison, and uh, act as bad business practice. And if the government says, hey, you can't um, operate as criminals in this country, uh, get out, they can go to the world court and say, hey, these guys are getting in the way of us doing our business. And they will always, always win. So we've got that happening. Also, the uh, Reserve Bank of New Zealand, the equivalent of the Fed, um, has just been past sweeping powers. 
and its new uh, governor, uh, equivalent to Fed Chairman Bernanke, um, has been uh, appointed, I think he's a, uh, a former World Bank official, um, and the Prime Minister John Key uh, used to work for the Federal Reserve Bank for two years uh, in New York as the head of European bond and derivatives trade. He was also famous for uh, going into Ireland during the, um, the so-called Irish Tiger economic boom when they were offering sweetheart tax break deals to uh, financial traders that would move their bank offices there, as he did from uh, Merrill Lynch. And apparently he hollowed out the economy, put an awful lot of money into blind trusts, and then gapped it back to the United States. He still has those blind trusts, and he's worth an estimated $50 million. And that's at least what the, what's publicly reported. Goodness knows what the real figure might be. And as with all uh, presidents and prime ministers, uh, he's a liar, a card-carrying um, globalist who's attempting to sell out the country at every turn and subvert people's uh, rights to uh, personal, national and financial sovereignty of any kind. Uh, don't uh, hold back, Vinny. I mean, come on, tell us what you really feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel that uh, he needs to be hung uh, uh, from the neck till dead uh, in, a public, in a public square. Um, and it's this kind of um, mentality where you will have a, a person say, snatch a bag uh, from an old lady in the street with $100 on it or something, and he'll go to jail for eight years. And then you have somebody uh, uh, like John Key who will borrow $450 million plus a week in a country of 4 million people uh, to international bankers in order to sell out the entire country. And he doesn't go to jail at all. There is no um, justice in New Zealand. In fact, most of the um, justices uh, in the court system are related. Um, if you go to kiwisfirst.com, uh, uh, my friend uh, Vince Seymour has been looking into judicial corruption here. Uh, I think out of 148 judges or something, we have about 85 of them that are related by blood. Uh, at least first cousin, and in our Supreme Court, uh, we have, I think, eight judges, and two of them are a husband and wife. So you can imagine what would happen if you attempted to um, say, hey, there's judicial corruption going on, how much of a clique uh, uh, and resistance there would be to you. Um, And this happens all the time, all the time. It's it's beyond a joke. Uh, We have the, what's it called? Transparency International, for example, sends a questionnaire all the time, and I'll just uh, say this quickly, uh, about how much corruption there is in your country. New Zealand is officially one of the least corrupt countries in the world. This is because when we get sent the questionnaire, we don't fill it out and we actually send it back. And because there's no corruption listed in there, we go up, we go... (laughs) Awesome. Well, that's a good way to to, uh, boost your ratings. Okay, we've got to take another break. We'll be right back. All right, friends, welcome back. Welcome back to Corporate Report Radio. Here we are on this Tuesday night edition of the broadcast, Wednesday, if you happen to be across the dateline like myself and my guest, and we are talking to Vinnie Eastwood of the Vinnie Eastwood Show. We're talking about what's happening in New Zealand generally and 
how uh, the political corruption that you are so familiar with wherever you are in the world is also happening, of course, in New Zealand. And that is very much the case, as unfortunately, no matter where we turn in this new world order, it's still the same globalist system run by the same people connected to the very same institutions. And in the case of New Zealand with A small world it is after all. And uh, I must admit, I like that term, Prime Sinister. I'm going to start using it for our own Prime Sinister in my home and native land of Canada. And uh, I like it because it reminds me of Darth Sidious or something of that nature. But uh, but I think that uh, that is uh, so, so much a part of this problem is that it is the very same small group of well-connected individuals that end up in power in country after country. Uh, Vinny, it's almost like it's planned to be that way. How could this possibly be? Well, how could it not possibly be is the thing. If you see a, if you see the same program being implemented everywhere in exactly the same way and there's no variation, right, it is definitely a conspiracy. It is definitely orchestrated. It, you're either a conspiracy theorist who believes that somebody, uh, well, who believes that powerful people who have a lot of influence use their power to maintain their influence or you are a coincidence theorist who believes that everything happens by sheer coincidence. There's no such thing as lying. There's no such thing as backroom deals. There's no such thing as murder. There's no such thing as crime. Those things don't exist, and everybody's just a victim of circumstance. You know, oh, uh, the gun must have accidentally gone off, you know, uh, from, the, from the school book depository building, you know, or, uh, you know, that kind, that kind of stupidity. Which one of those two groups sounds more insane? Certainly not the conspiracy theorist, because the conspiracy theorist is at least in some part in touch with reality. Um, and this is what the mainstream media is concocted, in my opinion, uh, to subvert, is people's uh, perception of reality. Uh, and, and in order to um, believe that there's no such thing as objective truth and fact, that everything is in fact a, a opinion or perception, and there's, there's truly nothing real. And, and you're so right to indicate that it's about de decoupling causality. It's like things don't flow from one thing to another. We can't connect dots. It's all just random happenstance. And my favorite personal example of that is something that Michael Parenti points out about the JFK assassination, where in 1979, I believe it was, when the House Select Committee on Assassinations came out with their verdict that there was a 95% probability that it was a conspiracy, that there were more than one shooter involved. Uh, the Washington Post, I believe it was, immediately editorialized that by saying, well, it could have been two disaffected loners acting independently who happened to be there at the same time shooting at the exact same moment, which is just the most absurd non-conspiracy theory I've ever heard. It's, it's so ridiculous that there's nothing you can do but laugh at it. And yet this is the type of mentality that so many people have bought into. Why, why are people buying into this? Why do they fall for this type of propaganda? I think it's because uh, they didn't really um, ever get presented with an alternative to the lie. If you've never been presented with an alternative, how would you perceive one exists? Okay, If there's no questioning reality, then uh, whatever reality is given to you is unquestioned. It's pretty straightforward. Um, and you get into um, education, which uh, in my opinion, when you translate the word means indoctrinate, uh, you get into the public education system, uh, you get into higher university, um, and then later on you go into tertiary study and things like this. Um, and the way of teaching, or at least uh, the way I've, I've experienced it personally here, here in New Zealand, is that if you're an individual, um, you, you don't go um, 
basically if you've got independent thought, you don't act the way they want you to because you don't want to regurgitate, you want to inquire, you want to elaborate, you want to experiment and, and, and things like that, but you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to. You're, you're instead encouraged to read the source material, regurgitate exactly what they've got uh, uh, for you, and uh, it has a strict protocol with, no, with very little um, chance for deviation. Ergo, the people will um, be taught to not question. They will be taught to not think. They will instead be taught to regurgitate things instead of listening to contrary evidence. You see what I'm saying? And we see that all, all the time. Any, anybody who says that 9-11 is an inside job to uh, one of these people, um, the the concept that jet fuel uh, only burns at, say, what, what, 750 degrees or something, and you need like 1,500-odd to, to, to melt steel and things like that, goes right over their head because officialdom told them that it, that it can, even though they know different, and they're programmed to repeat back what officialdom has told them to. Right, mind exactly. control. To the extent that they even know what the official story is on any issue uh, is usually just glossed over, and uh, and it's just sort of received wisdom. Well, of course they they came down because of the jets. What what uh, what other explanation there is, could there be? And I think you're right. Of course, a lot of it is due to the fact that alternatives aren't pre- being presented to people, and then the other half of that equation is the indoctrination, as you say. And doesn't that go back to exactly what we were talking about earlier with these this idea that if you have the credentials, then you're a journalist, but if you don't have those credentials you can't be classified as a journalist. That's the same mentality they get us into. You have to have the the academic stamp of approval in order to be whatever it is that you think you are. Mm-hmm. And people think that uh, if um, that's the case, if there's, a, if there's a conspiracy and it's affecting me here, then maybe I'll go to New Zealand where the tyranny is not quite so, so uh, ramped up as yet. Or, or maybe, and, and there's people in New Zealand going, man, I don't like the tyranny in New Zealand anymore. I'm going to go to the tyranny in Australia. Maybe that will suit me better. Or maybe I like the tyranny in the UK. Maybe CCTV is more my thing. Um, and the the whole concept of which t- tyranny suits me best is belied by the fact that uh, you don't question whether or not tyranny suits you at all. Yeah, exactly right. And and to me, to my mind, that's the exact same as the entire electoral process and uh, which slave master will treat me the best. And uh, people literally buy into their own enslavement by choosing one or the other of the political puppets that are laid out before them instead of questioning the system that, that's been placed around them and even the concept of government, which to my mind is uh, one, of the, the big, one of the big last uh, institutions that has to fall in the mind at least of the alternative media before we can really start affecting change. But maybe that's just my own contentious opinion. But, uh, but let's talk a little bit about the, the people on the ground there in New Zealand and, and uh, the average person on the street. I mean, to what extent are they even aware of issues of the TPP and other types of issues like that? And to what extent do people actually care about this? Um, you know, uh, similar, um, I would probably say, to uh, Japan in a, in a very apathetic, um, previous uh, domineered by an empire-type fashion. Nobody even looks up. Nobody cares, nobody questions, and they simply swallow what the what the TV has to them. However, I've always uh, maintained for a long time that you do not need a cast of thousands to change the world. And in truth, uh, if you look at history, it has only ever been a small uh, cast of characters that has that has changed things for the better or worse. Um, ergo, the power of the individual is what matters, not the not the uh, power or the uh, actions of the masses. Now. That's what the lesson of history says. So um, at the very least, the small group of people that I've got relatively, by comparison to the base of the population, got 4 million people, and I'd probably say I know 
off the top of my head, maybe a thousand activists or, or, or something like that who, who have either been on my show, been on my YouTube channel or something like that. I've, I've basically put these people online where, where they've never been online before, where they've never had their views um, capable for public consumption. And you would not believe just how many hits they get. Okay. And um, what I've found is all you got to do is find those little individual pockets, okay, and you, you group them together, and what you've got is you've got a framework for a resistance, kind of like um, I call it the tactic of the cactus. A cactus covers itself in spines in every direction, so so to ensure that whenever it is touched by any predator or, or anything of that nature, it will get a little prick to remind it. Um, and what I've found is that there's a new world order agenda for virtually every sector, whether that be water, air quality, uh, poisons in the food supply, or, or, or uh, corruption in the government, financial scumbaggery, whatever you, whatever you um, choose to look at. And there is always, in my, uh, in my experience, a person in that exact town, in that exact place, in that exact country, in that exact sector, in that exact office sometimes, who doesn't like it, knows everything there is to know about it, and is willing to talk about it. Uh, as somebody who, who wants to expose the truth, it is my job, I feel, my responsibility now, at the very least, to go out and find those people so that a cactus that has all these disparate spines everywhere that aren't pointed in any particular direction suddenly work cohesively, and you don't need a huge amount of spines to protect a small area. It's a good analogy, and I think that's that's the way we have to look at it, because obviously it, we, we can't rely on the mass movement of mass numbers of people, and at the end of the day, we can't even rely on, on other people besides ourselves. All we can do is affect change amongst ourselves and those around us and those we love, and that's the best that, that we can do, and I think that we have to lead by example, so I think that that's an important part of this whole process. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the things that are going on in New Zealand and what you hope to accomplish in the near future. Mm. Well, see, I don't... Um I've talked to a lot of older activists, um, people like uh, even American ones. Like uh, you, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with G. Edward Griffin. Um, I, I'm number twelve on his list of on the Hall of Honor um, at the Reality Zone um, dot com, and um, that was just after having a one two hour conversation with me. So I basically I'm I'm very much like my father. I'm capable of uh, forging relationships and making friends very very quickly, um, and as a direct result, I'm starting to build networks, disparate networks all, all over the place in different sectors. So um, what I want to do is create a counter-conspiracy uh, platform. Okay, so let's say, for example, there's a media conspiracy. Ergo, you need to create a new media platform to uh, engage it, to encounter it. Okay, so you've one conspiracy, do the opposite, take it. Also, and also the main principles are um, uh, centralized decision making. You need to decentralize decision making. So I don't want to create a media apparatus here in my house and and stuff like that, and and have everybody coming here to do all their work. I want to instead give them a microphone and a, and a Mac and go home, and then they can go out to protest. They can make their videos. They can upload. They can do they can do the editing. They can do all this themselves, and then they don't need me anymore. Okay. Uh, to create a uh, system of media, essentially, that makes the media apparatus that created it redundant, i.e. me. Um, and in business, that's actually, um, I found this out recently after coming up with this idea on, all on my own, of course, um, that that's actually the most efficient business model, uh, uh, and that's what um, good uh, managers are supposed to do, is actually find ways to make things run and make themselves redundant. Um, this is the plan. 
you give everybody the tools that they need, they can go out and do the work. And so eventually I won't have to do uh, all of this radio hosting and all of those videos and all of this uh, exposing scumbaggery myself. I'll have other people doing that, and I'll be off um, creating new platforms. For example, I want to do a, uh, a truther business network. I know lots of truthers. They are, they're painters, they're house builders, they're architects, they're, uh, they're gas station attendants, they're liquor store workers, um, they're this, that, and the other. They're all over the place. Some of them own businesses. I'd like to create a truther business network like a yellow pages or so you can if you want to in your particular area like let's say you go to Auckland New Zealand and you got all the list of businesses and stuff like that in Auckland New Zealand um, cool I've got a truther who can do my panel beating I've got a truther who I can buy my groceries off I've got a truther I can do this blah, 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 blah. you create the alternative business system because what the uh, new world order business system does is it acts as a clique and forces out its competition same mentality with the Truth of Business Network, except what you're doing is you're forcing out the evil scumbaggery corporations and, and allowing uh, people to have access to the good, moral, decent, ethical, cheap, and, and very um, honest business practice that we would prefer to replace it. So there's that. I also want to create a school uh, all the way from kindergarten through to university so that you can teach uh, children the basic principles of, uh, you know, uh, deductive reasoning and uh, um, uh, and just uh, general tools that you need uh, to live a moral and intelligent questioning life and have the, uh, the idea that I'm not all that I am just now. There is always something I can be improving on. I can always learn something new. I can always do something new. I can always be more than I currently am. Um, and that's how I feel of myself. Am I better today? Have I done more today than I did tomorrow? Uh, and for the last five years, the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Every single day I've done more than the, than the day previous. I've got more to show for it. I've got... Um, uh, when you're doing videos and radio shows and something like that, you're not just having a conversation. You've got something to show for it at the, at the end of it. You've got a, a conversation that many people can um, uh, latch onto and replicate. Um, and this would be the same principle um, in school. Have you actually advanced your knowledge? Would I be able to ask you a question about 9-11 and have you be able to tell me uh, 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 any particular part of a conspiracy about it? Would you be able to tell me how the CIA uh, runs drugs in its apparatus? Would you be able to tell me this, that, and the other and such? When children are young, their learning capacity is extremely high uh, they can they can learn multiple languages if if they're being spoken around them. Um, they can uh, bring up information and the scariness that that we felt as adults learning the stuff for the first time, having had the alternate uh, false reality growing up, we have this kind of feeling of loss, the sensation of hopelessness and things like that because we have to start again. I theorise that if children are actually brought up with this, they would see the New World Order conspiracy as absolutely normal and fighting against it and exposing it as just, as just a normal part of life. And they've always been trying to kill you, they've always been trying to do this, so it doesn't matter, it doesn't actually make a difference. What does make a difference is you and what you choose to do in this very moment to help other people and protect human life. Well, that, that is such an important perspective, and I especially like the idea of the, the business network because that's something I'm always stressing, that people have to get off of the system and stop paying, literally paying their, their money and putting their blood, sweat, and tears into the corporations that are t 
turning around and enslaving them. And how do you do that other than building up local businesses, communities, people that you know and can trust and, and who sympathize with what you're talking about? What's the best way to bring people like that together? Well, through something like a truth or business network. So you know who it is you're dealing with and you know that you are getting off of that grid and that system. So that's that's a great idea. And I hope that uh, that can come to fruition in some form or another. But uh, Vinny, time flies when you're having fun and when you're uh, dwelling on the lighter side of genocide. So we are coming up to the end of our time together. Why don't you tell people again about your show and uh, your website and how people can access your work? I will. And uh, first, before I do, I wanted to say uh, Republic uh, Broadcasting Network, um, good friends of American Freedom Radio uh, for a long time, uh, uh, Danny and, and John uh, go way back, and uh, we appreciate all the all the stuff that you guys uh, do over there. And you, you've, seriously, man, seriously, every, everybody who's on RBN should be should be freaking proud of themselves. Um, I, I want to say that first off. Um, you can catch me weekdays uh, five till seven central on AmericanFreedomRadio.com. And you can also find uh, my website, thevinnieeastwoodshow.com. It's Vinny with a Y, because it's the most important question, allegedly. <laughs> and my YouTube channel, Mr. News, like, hello, I'm Mr. News, Gorilla Media, Gorilla like a soldier, not like an ape, although I am six foot four and rather burly. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Vinny Eastwood, thevinnieeastwoodshow.com. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for yours. All right, we'll be right back to wrap things up right after these messages. All right, friends, thank you for joining us once again for Corbett Report Radio. And once again, I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Tonight we were talking to Vinny Eastwood at TheVinnieEastwoodShow.com. And as always, the link to his website will be available there in the show notes for tonight's episode. So once uh, once this gets up on CorbettReport.com, you can go into the archives and get that link in case you missed it. And uh, it was an interesting conversation. We have more interesting conversations lined up for you all this week. We have Michael Vale coming on tomorrow night from stratrisks.com to talk about what's going on here in Asia and elsewhere around the globe. And then on Thursday night, we're going to be talking to Matias Rojas, a uh, activist and media personality in Chile, to talk about what's going on there. So we really are spanning the globe and bringing you information from all around the world. I hope you do appreciate this information. I hope it is useful to you. And if it is, of course, we need your support, not just at CorbettReport.com, but also at Republic Broadcasting. The network is going through some upgrades right now with some of the equipment, which will allow for some automation and hopefully to cut some costs. And uh, we'll be able to pay for itself in the first uh, few months of operation of this equipment. But in order to get that equipment, Republic Broadcasting does need your support. They need to raise $40,000. So anything that you can dig out from your uh, couch cushions or otherwise to help raise that money would be appreciated. You can either write in your uh, your response to RBN at RBN 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas 78664, or you can go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on the PayPal button, or there's a 1-800 number, 1-800-724-2719, where you can make your donation. And of course, any funds are absolutely very much appreciated, as that is what helps to keep Corbett Report Radio and all the other hosts you hear here on Republic Broadcasting on the air and going. 
And on that note, of course, Corbett Report, also very much appreciative of your support. I won't uh, do the plug for my own subscriber newsletter. You've heard it enough, but I do want to thank all of those people who have signed up in the last few weeks. I truly can't do it without your support. And there is a new DVD coming up uh, later this week from CorbettReport.com. So subscribers, keep your eye on the lookout for the next subscriber newsletter, which will include the 33% discount that all subscribers do get on all the DVDs. It's going to be a DVD compilation of The Last Word, a popular video series that I did last year and that I'm starting up again this year, and I'll have another several episodes coming up in the next several weeks. So uh, if you want to get in your orders, please uh, become a subscriber and you can you can get that uh, newsletter and you can get the DVD discount. On that note, we're going to leave it there, but I hope you will check into CorbettReport.com for all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of free media that's available there for download, including the latest eye-opener preview and uh, an article with an interview of myself and some other things that have been posted up in the last several hours. And the most recent episode of my podcast, A Message to the Future, a very, very different episode of my podcast, very unusual for me, but uh, I want to get your feedback on it. I've already gotten quite a bit of feedback. I'd like to hear more. So you can always get in touch with me through the contact form on CorbettReport.com. But let's leave it there for tonight. So once again, to all of you out there, thank you so much for listening and investing your mind time in healthy alternative media. My name is James Corbett. I'm at CorbettReport.com, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all once again in 23 hours. So until then, thank you for listening, and take care. 